evening and welcome back to Pretend Worlds Real People. As always, I'm your host, Tyler. And that was all done without coffee. What the heck is you know what? Okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend myself. Uh this is my favorite time of the year, and I, I love it. I love uh, Halloween. I love the spooky season. We're more than halfway through, unfortunately, so it's going by really friggin' fast. Uh, but that's okay. It's been a great time of the year so far. And uh, yeah, what can uh, what can I catch you up on this week? Nothing too crazy, honestly. Just been enjoying, you know, the outdoors, the cool fall weather, going on a lot of walks and hikes, and eating a little less candy than I expected. Uh, I oh I baked Lambus bread from <laughs> that that elvish bread from Lord of the Rings that always looks so good baked it was amazing uh so <laughs> uh I don't know what that has to do with Halloween but um I have not had any coffee so let's just chop that up to a general lack of caffeine coursing through my veins and uh talk about the next few weeks I do have a bunch of episodes coming out for the spooky season because I just had the good fortune of connecting with a lot of really great people so keep an eye out for some double dipping weeks as uh, I had just, I have too many guests that I, I want to share throughout uh, this amazing month of October speaking of which this week is insanely awesome because I had a chance to sit down with Caitlin Stacy now if you don't know the name you will recognize her face from the marketing for the film smile uh, over the last, I don't know, four or five months. She's an Australian actor who is currently terrifying audiences within the film Smile. She is the uh, the patient you see in the trailer who, you know, takes the broken face to her face and then things happen. Scared the living hell out of me. It was, it was a haunting, haunting role. Uh, so we obviously talk about that. We talk about her early work finding a career in horror, and what she'd like to do next uh, in both her career and her life. So I'm, uh, I'm just going to let this go from here. Let's just sit down. Let's grab that pumpkin spice latte, uh, if, if that's your thing. I'm not saying it is my thing, but I'm not totally against it. And <laughs> let's sit down and chat with the lovely Caitlin Stacy. Uh, hi, my name is Kate and Stacey, and I'm an actor uh, from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and are you, you're currently in LA, right? I'm currently in LA. Yeah, I've lived yeah. here for about 13 years. So I guess I'm from LA nowadays. Yeah, you've been naturalized to be <laughs> a Los yeah. Angeles native. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'll get started off. Um, I'll hit the ground running. I just want to know, how did you sort of gain an interest in the entertainment industry? Such a weird thing for anybody to choose. And uh, sometimes it just, it chooses you. So how did you get started? Uh, well, to be honest, I was very young when I started. I was like 13 and, um, you know, it's a pretty obvious choice when you're 13 because who doesn't want to be famous and make money? Um, but it's it's so much more than that. Uh, obviously <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost never that in fact it's uh, that's that's an end goal that a lot of people don't achieve uh but yeah I always wanted to act I was always very like outward facing um my reasons for doing it now are different from what I decided to start doing it back then but yeah yeah and did you have anyone that you sort of looked up to I mean I personally 
idolized Chris Farley. So <laughs> is there anyone that you sort of looked at as a barometer for your perceived level of success while you were, you know, trying to start that journey? Yeah, sure. When I was younger, I had a lot of like imagined nemesis, you know, like mm. I was never like a looking up to other people kind of person. I was a very like jealous person. <laughs> so um, there was this um, pop star called Nikki Webster in Australia, and she sang at the um, 2000 Olympic Games in Sydney. And I was like, one day, Nikki, one day, <laughs> me. And I, I did not become a pop star, um, mercifully. I feel like that would have been a far more painful career choice than one I've chosen. Uh, but yeah, that I loved the Spice Girls. It was, it was mostly musicians. I, I watched a lot of cartoons. Mm. I watched a lot of old movies. I really loved, I know it's controversial now, but I really loved Gone with the Wind. And regardless of how you feel about like the, the setting and the uh, broad racism of that film, Scarlett O'Hara is, and was a, a pretty fantastic character for anyone to play. And Vivian Lee was incredible in that role, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's, wow. That is a very sort of unique film to look at for like regal Hollywood. You know, not a lot of people talk about that anymore. Also just a weird film for like a fucking, sorry, I don't know how to swear, for like <laughs> a five-year-old to just watch on repeat. I was yeah. obsessed with it. Five years old, serious. That movie's like four hours long. Yeah, I know. It's just <laughs> a show. Like, I can't even watch movies now. I love TV, but I, I the thought of sitting down for an hour and a half or two hours, I'm just like, oh. But what else am I doing? Nothing, you know. So. <laughs> oh, and to, to go back, you can cuss as much as you want on this show. That's <laughs> we're all <laughs> actors yeah. here, so yeah. There's <laughs> you can't go through a day without doing it. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, with that, you know, you're you're growing up for your watching Gone with the Wind continuously, a four hour long movie. I commend you for that, even at five years old. But what was your first experience like on a set as a working actor? What was that? Uh, what was the project and what was the experience like for you? Uh, I sort of did a couple of things like it, it was a weird. Um, uh, I, when I was 10, I did a commercial for a airline called Qantas. And it was, it's a really beautiful commercial. It's very famous in Australia. They used to do them kind of annually. And they just basically stick a bunch of kids in different parts of the world. And we sing this song called I Still Call Australia Home. That was my first um, experience of being on a set and being in like an exclusively adult environment. Uh, And I really, I really loved grownups. Like I knew how to be around them. I knew what they wanted from me. Like, classic child actor you know what I mean like the reasons I'm in therapy now I was uh yeah and then I did a I did like a stamp collecting video um which was which was really funny and silly and that my mom still has the tape of and then I did a kids tv show called the sleepover club and uh yeah it's funny like the the environments I, I can't say that I recommend having your children become professional actors uh, unless unless you're really prepared to help them navigate it. A lot of the time it's exciting and it's 
lucrative and, and people kind of just assume you'll be taken care of and you are your well-being is but your your mental health suffers tremendously <laughs> not for everyone some people are really like made more confident and more assured but it's really hard to go from being at the center of a universe to then just being another person in the world you know going from being number one on a tv show to going back to school I'm like I was never very cool at school I wasn't a nerd I wasn't like a you know <laughs> a nerd that's such a 90s term nerds are cool now but I, I, I wasn't like popular and I didn't know how to relate to people and I uh, was a bit I felt a bit alien which sounds egotistic I wasn't better than or smarter than anyone I was just a little bit less socialized than everyone um but yeah it was a it was a weird trippy experience and looking back on it now as an adult uh it yeah it was uh it was a real trip yeah, you know what? I, having been somebody who started my my acting career at twenty, I'm interested to see. I mean, if you have anything, how you navigated going from working on a set to being at school, and like you said, you know, you weren't, uh, you know, like the most popular person, or you know, you weren't in that that uh, sort of status generalization. But was there a weird sort of, uh, I guess, bout of uh, not depression, but just a oh. Well, now I'm back at school. Like, did you experience anything like that? A lot of deep depression. I, I like had, I, I did all the classic like TV depression things. You know what I mean? I like dyed my hair black and wore in this very intense side sweeping fringe. I uh, was like a real emo. Mm. Um, and uh, I, sort of just didn't take care of myself I just didn't do my schoolwork. like you just open my school books and there was nothing in them and I would just be like Whoa. um and then yeah it was it, it was really tough I, I I'm lucky that I grew up in Australia in a pretty normal family and around pretty like you know grounded people and that that works in both ways right when you're grounded and of the earth and salt of the earth or whatever like you're you're your imagination about how sad someone can be is limited, but also your imagination about how like indulgent you should be of their sadness is also limited. So I wasn't like, I wasn't around drugs as a kid. I wasn't around like, I mean, I was around as much alcohol as the rest of the kids I knew were, which we made, you know, adults buy for us or we would hang outside of liquor stores and stuff. But um, like, I wasn't, I wasn't a bad kid and I wasn't like a, uh but I was I was a highly emotional one definitely yeah which can only help your performance right moving forward <laughs> yeah I'm a deeply emotional adult um and my mom and my dad like really supported me and loved me and took care of me and I had a very like I was lucky I was in a very safe not very pushy environment but it was yeah it's it's swings and roundabouts which is the industry today like it's it's never it's never an assured thing at least not for me you know yeah. I mean and with that emotional vulnerability did you find it difficult to just dive full into this as a career which I mean a lot of people will do and only a few last because it is so hard and arduous and full of rejection you know uh something like one percent of people can make a living as a performer so what was your uh 
I guess what was your mindset when you said, I, you know what, I think I'm going to pursue this as a career. When, when was that? Oh, damn. Well, I certainly hadn't heard that statistic, which is now making me reconsider it. But I, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, shit, that's going to be in my head now. Like 1%, 1%. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, it's fine. I'll figure it out. But I, um, I, it was kind of the path of least resistance, to be honest. Like I work very hard and I care very deeply about it, but when I was younger, it just kind of found, it did find me in a sense. Like I expressed an enthusiasm for it and the people around me made it happen for me. And I got very lucky that that continued to happen throughout like a large portion of my career. And with, you know, some continuity touch wood, I continue to work and um, God, God help me if I ever stop. I don't know what else I could do. <laughs> I don't really know how else to make money. You know, uh, I, I, I've, I've had like little odd jobs here and there and they've been on wonderful experiences. They've taught me a lot about myself and about the world. Hmm. But yeah, I, uh, I kind of got on a moving train and I just never got off it, you know. Yeah. Well, in that, I will say that statistic I brought up is due to those who tend to just stop, you know, they, they don't want to sort of push through these trials and tribulations of uh, being pinned, being let go, getting a job, being cut out, not being paid, yeah. uh, no residuals. So sticking with it, that's something I have talked about at nauseum with this podcast. And it's, you know, don't give up if this is something you truly care about, don't stop doing it. And uh, I'm right there with you. I don't know what else I would do. Yeah. Uh, it's you know you can only pour uh pour beer and serve for however many years before you start to snap so i mean i assume you if you were actually no this is a fun question do you have any sort of backup plan hypothetically that you would love to be involved in uh if you were to have you know the proper training or experience or knowledge about some other industry do you have something you would go to if you couldn't have acting i think i would have to fundamentally change my life um, because acting is addictive. It is like a drug. And um, I don't want to sound like a wanker, but like, I feel like that's what I was born to do. You know, like I, I, I'm naturally an actor for better or for worse. And like, it's, it's not all I care about, but it is certainly one of the things I care about the absolute most. So my backup plan, I think would have to be to go into some kind of service of some sort. And maybe it would be like teaching acting, you know, those that can't do teach, but but also like I go to an acting class here in LA and I go to a couple of classes and they're all very like spiritual experiences. I always kind of viewed spirituality or religion of any kind, any kind of religiosity as like a last ditch effort to like save yourself from destruction, but and that is true in a lot of cases, but like I, I've, I'm discovering now that like I, the thing that I love, it is a very like self-centered uh, exploit. Like people like to say like, art oh, is for the people, we need actors, but it was like, we don't need any more actors, we've got tons. And like, they're not doing it for you, they're doing it for themselves. I mean, I'm doing it for myself because I love to do it and I feel like I deserve to do it and I yeah. care about it. So I probably try to find a way to like get away from any major city, live in a very green place, hopefully by the ocean and 
maybe join a cult I don't know (laughs) start a cult um based around acting you know something like that with my kids and my wife and my dogs like that would be that would be okay as long as I was surrounded by a community of creative people who work together and inspired each other I think I'd be okay yeah well and that's a beautiful thing to look at too even as a possibility in the future for retirement that sort of thing and uh, I mean with that comes this question what would your cult god or goddess be me, uh, be me. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be adored you know like I can't help it and that's the part of this job that is destructive is this need the need for speed, man. No, I just like, I, I fucking love being uh, worshipped. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Sorry, that was so good. No, uh, that uh, some people say it's, it's egotistical or it's pretentious, but no, there is that desire to be, to be loved that every, performer has right uh, to to some degree or sense and and it's appropriate for what you're doing because you are giving all of yourself to this character this role and if you know nothing is really said about it like, okay well yeah i did it for me but what do you guys you know <laughs> what do you guys think what do you what do you retain from it so uh that's interesting going into what you have now which is you know the highest selling film in months uh, especially horror film and that's smile i mean are you a a horror fan have you ever been a horror fan i'm not a fan of like horror for horror's sake like i don't want to i don't see that a horror movie has come out and i'm like sweet let me get in on that but i if i think the concept is interesting i think horror is a really great vehicle horror and science fiction are a great are great vehicles to talk about like the human experience in a really like artistic and elevated way you know you talk about like they're, they're very philosophical I think horror can be deeply philosophical I mean look at all of Stephen King's um not all of them some of them suck but a lot of them are very like what's about like the heart of fear itself and you know I know it's a Donnie Darko quote where you're like love or fear, but those are the two things that we operate from. And, and fear is universal. It's, it's animal. And what, what frightens you? I know what frightens me and it's, um, you know, losing my mind, which I, I experience with some regularity as an anxious person. And yeah. So no, not like a horror fan, but a fan of, of, the human experience man <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing donnie darko is is one of those films you could go to then or is that just one that really stands out i hate donnie darko <laughs> I, I hate that movie i just was i was i don't know maybe i was the, i was just like this feel now this feels indulgent this just feels like everyone in the movie is going can you believe we're in a movie yeah i fucking <laughs> I fucking hate movies, dude. I'm just like here for like the experience. You know? um, uh, so no, I don't care for Donnie Darko at all. I watched it once. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be the first person I've ever talked to about that who 
has not thoroughly enjoyed that film. And that's not a bad thing. Like that that intrigues me even more to to just watch it again and and see what uh what comes up outside of a, a biased viewpoint having watched it at 12 in a very emo phase. What do you like about it? Honestly, I I think and maybe it's just me looking back as a as a overweight teen with not a lot going on and feeling isolated it gave me this almost cinematically philosophical idea of what it meant to be uh, a hero in a way which yeah. uh you know watching the film later on you know that dissipated but honestly it probably had to do with the fact that i looked up to an older classmate who said no dude you're gonna love this movie and this kid was a a director to be screenwriter i mean practically an older brother of mine mm-hmm. so i think that's why i loved it so much but i also really appreciate how just completely honest you were about that like no i, I hate the movie i just nah, yeah i can't but you looked at as as you self-described over 18 you looked at jake gyllenhaal and you saw this like skinny white kid but you still felt some sort of a, a connection with him i i did with the idea of being alienated uh, from my family, having been the only person in my immediate family who is of an ethnic complexion. Uh, mm-hmm. So I always had that with me. So I think that really, you know, that drove me to the film and also eventually to acting, you know, that sense of otherness and wanting to belong and and finding a way. So I think that's why I connect with it. But I can also see why, you know, you look at, unfortunately, look at like Drew Barrymore and some of the, the mm-hmm. actors in there. And it is that um, I'm reading these lines. Yeah, you know, (laughs) so you know, not being a a quote unquote horror fan, how do you put yourself into the mental state that is needed for horror films like Smile? I mean, do you have a a process for that? Or I, uh, for this film in particular, I was like, this this person is experiencing like levels of panic that I mercifully I'm not like wholly familiar with I understand the concept and I understand what fear has felt like and manifested in my body and I've also looked at the way like my dog is afraid you know when things scare her and she is just like an animal of instinct she's immediate she's present and so I kind of took that into my not that I I traumatized my dog I I have a chihuahua so everything scares her it's not easy it's not hard to scare her um uh so I I kind of just went into this thinking about just trying to embody fear and clarity because it's important that like Laura is distinguished from other patients of Dr. Cotter's of Rose's uh yeah so I was just like I'm in a desperate place. I need you to understand me, but I don't have very much time. I'm very like, uh, I'm on the clock, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious how that audition process was for you. If it was, you know, from a, a, I don't know, a self tape read to bringing all of that energy and kinetic, um, almost like fear-based madness into a callback or what was the audition process like for the film itself? So I actually didn't audition for this film because I was in the short version called Laura Hasn't Slept because the original title of Smile was that there's something wrong with Rose. Um, 
So Laura Hasn't Slept was a short film and I shot that in 2019, I believe. Yeah, 2019 or early 2020, I can't remember. Uh, and I played the role of Laura and it was the same character that I reprised in the feature. And that just came about through an offer, which was like lovely. It's lovely when that happens, you know. Um, it's not all that often that it does happen to me. But yeah, so I just did that film with Parker and his team and that was like a couple of days. And then that set the groundwork for this role moving forward. That's so cool. I love it. I didn't actually, I didn't know that it was a, an offer. Well, you know, sometimes when it goes from short to feature, you just never know. Uh, so that's so cool that you got an offer for it. And with, like I said before, the movie's obliterating the box office. Do you have any ambition to sort of keep yourself in the horror genre? Or is this one of a, you know, one of a few things you you love doing and just sort of moving on from there? I am happy to do anything, but I... <laughs> I horror horror is complicated because I think it is where most young women find the most work as actors because women tend to be the protagonists of horror it's changing a bit now but like you know since the 80s it's sort of been the template um I've probably made more horror than I've made of anything else the issue with doing horror films is just that you have to spend a couple of months, several at most, being in a state of perpetual kind of physical trauma. You work nights, you um, often have to do like stunts. I, I would I would happily do more horror films. Of course I would. I um, I hope that I would like be able to find some that appeal to my kind of, my interest are more in like, psychological horror uh than like running through a cornfield chased by a monster um but those can be pretty good too I mean nope yeah. was amazing uh and uh yeah so yeah of course I would I would happily keep doing horror if they want me oh I'm sure they will I'm sure they do there's someone you know finishing up a punch up right now <laughs> it's waiting to give you a call oh, uh, I sincerely hope you're right that would be great hey, I, I believe in manifestation especially for this industry and the you know the ability to believe that things are are happening so I'm just going to put it out there but uh, I mean you you're easily the the face of this film you know through the marketing through the the pinnacle moment in the trailer and I mean it just it, it shows so much of your range and you're just your acting dynamics it's, it's incredible but I also am interested to learn more about what other genres you'd like to work in in the future if you have one that maybe you haven't done yet you'd like to focus on or one that you've done a few times before but you are waiting for a proper project uh to revisit it again in the future I would love to do more comedy comedy is really tricky I think it's the hardest thing to do it's much harder to make people laugh than it is to make them cry in my experience and uh yeah, so that's something that's a skill set that I'm really working on too. It's also much harder to break into comedy. It's kind of more clicky than any of the other genres. Uh, to be like a comedic actor is a real is a real talent, and uh, I have an immense respect for people who are funny on camera, saying other people's lines. Like I can be funny day to day, but doing something again and again and again that being funny is is a whole other ball game. So yeah, comedy. I really want to do more comedies. I want to be able to be good enough to do them. You know, that's kind of my hope. 
Is that something you've been working on in, in class over in LA? Have you taken out some comedy scenes? Yeah, I have. And it's, uh, you know, it doesn't always work, but <laughs> I am, I'm right now I'm doing a lot of Chekhov, which is like something I never thought I would say, cause I'm not a classically trained actor at all. And I was never interested in any of the classics cause I'm a bimbo, but I, um, I started doing this, this, uh, acting class that's focusing on like, like four great classic playwrights, Chekhov being one of them. And Chekhov is really funny. I had no idea, but Chekhov is very, very funny. It's very dry, but it's very funny. Wow. I, yeah, I've never tried. I think I've focused on Meisner, but I've never, mm -hmm. you know, gone into the Stanislavski or, or Chekhov methods. <laughs> it's just something that I'd like to visit, but I, you know what? I'm going to let you do that because I'm sure you're, you're, I don't, you do have this. I've only known you for what? 29 minutes but you do have this dry comedic comedic cadence just talking that i think is so suitable to like a judd apatow you know film as long as you know those comedies come back because they've dipped down a little bit uh but uh like that or just you know on a a television comedy you know a, a really really uh, well, I did do a comedy that sure I can't say that it's coming out next year <laughs> <laughs> I always forget I don't know why anyone gives a shit but I, it, it's coming out next year early next year and uh for Amazon called Class of 07 and that's a comedy and I think I'm funny in it I have not seen it yet everyone else in it is very funny so See, usually the best com comedic actors, performers are the ones that are so hard on themselves. So I, I can't wait to, to check that one out. And when did you actually, that, sorry, I'm, my coffee's really kicking in. When did you film uh, Class of 07? Uh, December through March of uh, last year into this year. It's been a long ass time. Oh my God. I totally auditioned for that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Is that Australia? Yeah. I don't, I think it was through one of my, Reps, sorry, I, I squirrel. Uh, the uh -huh. title just came back out, but uh, wow, okay, well, good to know that's coming out next year. And I will uh, nix the uh, specific dated comment that <laughs> just so no one gets mad at you. Thank um, you so much. That's so cool. I can't wait to check that out. And yeah, comedy seems like it's right up your alley. I mean, outside of that film coming out next year, do you have anything else that's coming up for you? Uh, no, I mean, that's the show that I did. We're waiting for it to come out and then we'll see if we get like a second season and stuff. Uh, but yeah, right now I'm just kind of living my life. Just chilling. Just chilling. And now that you have that time to sort of focus on yourself, do things that you want to do, what do you like to do to decompress? You know, going through five or six self-tapes for anybody a day is really just the worst mental taxing for for actors because you have no energy afterwards uh so what do you do to just sort of calm down relax a little bit you know you, i assume you're not on your your green pasture next to the ocean yet so what's what's something that calms you down what do you like to do uh honestly i'm still trying to figure it out i'm kind of trying to come up with a routine for myself and a lifestyle for myself um, I try to just be creative throughout the day as much as possible. I have like lots of like craft things in my house. I walk my dog. I meditate. I try to go to yoga. You know, I, I'm I'm having a I'm having a nice life in that all of my time is my own at the moment. But 
filling it with meaningful things is is tricky it's like I feel like most people don't know what they enjoy myself being one of them sometimes and, I, and I'm just like what do I want to do every day like what do I want to do so reading is good I really love therapy so I do like little therapy workbooks mm-hmm. um and I like I need to be around people I love people so I see my friends as much as I can but yeah I kind of am just like one day at a time you know <laughs> I sound like I'm in recovery for something but yeah <laughs> well how is uh how has therapy helped you with you know just pursuing your career it's made it easy for me to admit that I love acting because I come from Australia which is a very like don't talk about it don't be a wanker just get on with it kind of place um and I never really let myself have strong feelings about how much I wanted this and how much I want and need to be able to do this job that I love and how desperately I want to be able to do it for the rest of my life. Um, but it's it's also helping me kind of like acquiesce in a way. It's therapy, it's helping me stand up for myself because this is an industry where like so much can be taken from you. Your agency is like, not your physical representation agency, like your personal autonomy is is kind of taken from you in so many ways. And even though all my time is my own when I'm not on set, it is occupied with this like constant thought of like, what should I be doing? How do I move the needle in this way? Like, and the industry's changed so much. Like social media is such an essential part of it now, which I think is so idiotic and unfair and um, not correlative with, talent or anything important but uh what was the question what did you ask me (laughs) (laughs) oh therapy that's right (laughs) love it um yeah I mean it's helped me in all aspects of my life and and acting being a part of my life so yeah I'm, I'm I'm still learning I'm still figuring stuff out but yeah well that's that's good to know it's uh it's something I'm revisiting so I like to to ask all my guests about that if they're enjoying therapy and how it's helped. So that's that's really cool. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, mm-hmm. This is going to be a very interesting segue because uh, you were saying you know how funny you are and like you're the funniest person on the planet. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but I do wondering, say- <laughs> just wondering if you have a, a a party story you could share with the listeners, and that's. Not necessarily something that's occurred at a party, but an instance in your life, throughout your career, on set, just a a moment that stood out to you so immensely, it's just like burned into your brain and you can easily recant it at a party amongst friends. Do you have anything uh, that you could share with the listeners? It could be something goofy, something crazy, something a little scary, just something that really sticks out from your life. Oh, Oh, something embarrassing, maybe? Oh, those are the best ones. I mean... I, this is, to say it out loud, I've heard it doesn't sound as bad, but it's one of those, it's one of my core memories, I think, where I just am like, oh, every time I think about it, I have to make a noise, to like dispel it somehow. I'm just like, Bleh! Uh, <laughs> and um, so I auditioned for this film a very long time ago. Uh, I forget what it was called, um, but anyway, it was like a romantic comedy and, 
it was like a coming of age thing and it was very exciting it was gonna be like a big exciting young person's film and the director was a really lovely young man who everybody I knew personally had like a crush on because he was he was gorgeous and also deeply kind and um I I was like 21 and I was going in for like a director's session for the role of this character in this film and I was wearing this little summer dress and I didn't shave my legs and look nowadays I wouldn't give a shit I also probably wouldn't wear a dress to an audition these days but um back then it was a combination of like I wasn't a feminist yet having hairy legs was deeply unbecoming especially in Los Angeles and uh yeah I was a kid I was a nervous kid and um I I walked in there and I had like like I said I'd like these like spider leg hairs all over my legs and I had these cute little shoes on from Urban Outfitters which I would also never wear now because I had a wooden heel yeah and uh I walked in and I was sitting in the audition and the director was like oh I like your shoes and for some weird reason I was scared he was going to come towards me and examine them which he wasn't he was just saying it from afar but my brain kicked into like shit he's gonna get close he's gonna see my legs he's gonna not give me the part I'm gonna be laughed out of Hollywood I'm gonna die alone on the streets and then I um I he was coming he said that I and I to stop him from coming over to me I took off one of my shoes and I gave it to him and I was like here look at look at it Ben if you like it so it just like and I didn't have socks on either and so my feet were all grubby from all the crap inside the shoe. And he, he was like, and the worst part of it was that he was like, no, no, it's okay. Okay. And then like, he's holding the shoe and like, he has to pretend to look at it. He was like, Ooh, cool. Yeah. Thank you. And then he handed it back. And I was like, and now we begin the audition. That was, that was a pretty dark one for me. I walked out of there and I was like, Oh shit. Oh my God. I mean, that's every actor has a story like that, but that one it's, you know, when you're, (laughs) I can just think of your anxieties kicking in. You want to make a good impression. Here's my shoe. Here's my shoe. (laughs) Here's my shoe. That that's a great, no, that's a great story though. I know it's, uh, I know you want, you have to like shake it off when you, when you tell it, but Mm -hmm. those are, I don't know. I feel like it, it gives your career even more of a, sort of humane sensibility (laughs) yeah nobody nobody relates to people who have not had experiences like that yeah it's just in the moment it's something that you watch on tv or you would watch happen in a film and you'd be like oh that was cute but it it was not cute in the moment that it was happening it was deeply off-putting and strange you know it was just like girl get it together hey if no one has had a like a bad or embarrassing audition moment uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to be friends with them. You know, <laughs> life's too good to you if if that's not happening to you on a regular basis or at least semi regularly. There's always fun stuff, but no, that's that's a perfect story. Thank you for that. I, you can you can shake it off. You could. It's it's gone yeah. now. It's gone. Uh, well, with that comes this lovely, uh, you know, one of the last two questions we have, and it's uh, if you have any advice you could pass on to our listeners who are one either. Uh, you know, they're wanting to be actors, they want to start a career, they just haven't started it yet, or they've been doing it for a little while and they're trying to stay in the business. If there's 
piece of advice you can instill upon both of them that has helped you that'd be awesome oh man it's it's the same thing you hear all the time it's just like just keep going just but 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 do things that enrich your life like take horseback lesson like horseback riding lessons or like learn how to drive a manual car or you know what I mean like try to problem from like a bunch of creative angles and although I hate to say it because I don't think this should be a part of it try try to sort of like expel that creative energy in making things yourself like write for yourself even just for the sake of writing this job is so goal oriented and the sad thing about being an actor is that you can't just really wake up and act if you're a musician you can make music if you're a writer you can write but if you want to act you need a lot of other people around you to do that. Um, and you need to, it needs to be facilitated. But class is great. Just be, yeah, honest with yourself about you, about what you love and about what you're curious about. And just follow that. Follow your, follow your skills less than your passion. Because passion, like, I mean, look, passion comes out of, for me at least, being very good at something. So just follow your skills. Oh, I love that. That's and it's extremely important to uh, to add things in your life that's not just acting. I think that's something everyone has especially learned in the last two years. So that's really important. Yeah. Uh, now I I really appreciate that. That even helps me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do also want to ask before uh, before we wrap up here. If, if I mean I'll promote Smile. Obviously, it doesn't need my help, but uh, mm-hmm. promoting that is really important for this. But if you have anything else you'd like for me to promote with the episode, whether it's uh, another project you're working on or like an organization you really believe in, is there something I can put into the show notes for that? Uh, just pick up your trash, you know, don't litter as much as you can. <laughs> and uh, yeah, class 07 will be out next year. Then when I've got more information, I will certainly be sharing it. But I would love everyone to check it out. It'll be in a, it'll be on Amazon. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Uh, well, there's just one last thing I have to do before uh, we do that. I want to say thank you. I know you've been really busy. I know you want to get to your day. So we're going to wrap up here. And I just want to really you know, extend my gratitude for you coming onto the show and for scaring the living shit out of me uh, <laughs> last weekend. I really appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> but the last thing I do to wrap up the recording is what we like to call an awkward goodbye. Uh, have you ever seen the film Wayne's World? Yeah. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be the camera guy. I'm just going to count down silently from three, two, one. And when I point to you, give us your best verbal awkward goodbye, and I will stop the recording from there. Sound good? All right. Perfect. All right. All right. Here we go. In. All right, everybody. Don't forget to vote in midterms. Are coming up. Have a good birth. Uh, happy. Bye. Bye. <laughs>